G'day listeners and welcome back to the Keeper League for another week. Uh, my name's Hef and I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How are you? Very well Hef, how are you man? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, for those who haven't listened before, we're the Keeper League and we look at finding uh, the diamonds in the rough in your draft pool so we don't talk about your uh, your good players, your traditional good players I guess. Uh, now nah, we're, we're taking a deep dive into, uh, into playing lists and uh, yeah, trying to find some gems in there for you. Yes, we talk about the Harry Morrisons of the world. <laughs> and the Jack Boses. Correct. <laughs> Jack Bose will actually be not talked about next year when we do this, just by, for you know. Okay, good. It's going to be that good. Yeah, he would have dropped off the radar by then. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's happening this week in football, Hef? Uh, well, we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about it uh, last week because we recorded the uh, the podcast hours before the news came out, but uh, Connor Blakely has uh, done himself a bit of a mischief case. What's happened there? Well, he's injured himself, Hef, and he's going to be out for probably, what, three or four months. So, yeah. um, it opens up a fair few spots for plenty of the young guns in the Fremantle side. And, it's uh, yeah, it's actually quite exciting because there could be a few people putting their hands up for his uh, his role. All right, guys, we'll run me through some of these players you think that might uh, might jump into this spot. Well, obviously, we talked a few uh, about a few with uh, Lockie Neal going, and we thought that Blakely would be the one who steps into the more midfield time. Um, I think it opens up, obviously, your, your Brayshaws, your yep. Cheras, um, even Banfield potentially to sneak a bit more in there. Yep. Um, I think uh, one person we haven't talked about but has been spoken about a bit uh, through you know your AFL chat is that Reese Conk has actually been training quite well and. Uh, he's in the leadership group at Fremantle, so yeah. could he be one that slots into that, you know, either midfield or half back role? Yeah, uh, with Blakely gone and obviously Neil gone, so potentially he was one that I didn't really have on my radar, and yeah. he's kind of popped up now. Well, right? if Frio were planning on playing Blakely in, you know, half on the half back and half in the midfield, he's kind of the perfect candidate to jump into that. So mm. I guess that puts him in the spotlight. Only issue is he's lost his defender status uh, this year, yeah, and he's a midfield only. So if you want to play him in your midfield, then uh, I guess that's a risk you can take, but. Look, uh, He's one of those ones that you potentially it's risky to keep, but um, you know, for that early-ish mid-round pick, um, yeah. could he be a you know a decent eighty to ninety average mid, which you know can hold down a, a D five position, D six, yeah, uh, M five, M six. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting excited. He hasn't got defender status yet, but look, he can potentially play a part in your side. It's just um, yeah, he will have to be one you monitor and see how they go, especially the the start of the year while Blakely's not around. Yeah, the other one might be uh, Michael Walters. So there's talk of him every year moving into the midfield, but they seem to be dropping like flies. Uh, yeah, Neil and now Blakely gone. So, um, you know, he's always been a little bit consistent as a, as a forward. He does have those stints in there. So mm-hmm. he might be handy for someone if you can get your hands on him or if he's on your list. But yep. uh, yeah, something well, to think about there. Might also just bump up the Hill Brothers uh, yeah, true. stats as well. So there's yep. a few people who will be very uh, keen to get their hands on that midfield time. What about Brett Bewley? Yeah, he's definitely one who's uh, been talked about a lot too. He averaged 98 in the, the VFL last year and as a mature age um, pickup. Yeah. You know, they're the guys like your Tim Kellys who actually can score from the get-go. So yeah. um, definitely one to keep your eye on as well, how he monitors in the JLT. It's not often a club picks up a, a mature age player and doesn't play them. So. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of picking them up. So look, there might be a, a plethora of people who can you know take some of that midfield time from Blakely. All right, let's move on to our league spotlight for this week. So uh, I had a chat to uh, Michael from Perth who had a uh, had a chat about his keeper league. So, yeah, have a listen to this one. All right, I'm joined by Michael from Perth who's here to talk about his keeper league today. How you going, mate? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. All right, tell us about your league. So what's the name of it and how long has it been running? Uh, we're called Playing for Keep Stations. Um, sort of got instantly named, I think, as, sort of, as soon as we made the group. Um and we've just finished our second season, so uh, heading into the third, and uh, it's been it's been pretty hectic so far, but it's 
been good fun. Yeah, nice. So uh, how does it work? I want to know your squad sizes, your keeper numbers, how many list per, uh, changes per year, all that sort of stuff. Yes, we've got um, 12 coaches uh, all up, so shout out to all those fellas uh, and, and Bill who are uh, who are in that league. Um, we do 30 players all up, so the standard five defenders, uh, six mids, five forwards. Uh, we just do the one ruck, and we actually do three utilities as well, uh, with one of those has to be a ruck forward. Uh, we did initially start off with two rucks, but the way that the game's going, there's basically not enough ruckmen to go around, or at least relevant ruckmen, unless you sort of want Ivan Soldo uh, running around in your team. Um, yeah. And then we've got our five emergencies, so one for each spot, and then five sitting on the bench. Uh, we do four players um, dropped in the mid-season draft, um, so we don't do any waivers or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, you go to the mid-season draft, um, drop four players and pick four new ones up, or you can do more if you want to. Uh, and then our pre-season draft, we do uh, eight drops all up, Um and it's sort of slightly less, I guess, than other keeper legs, but uh, we find that that really helps with the trading, um, which is sort of something that we quite like in the league is the amount of trades that we have. We probably have about 30-odd a year, and we can trade ticks and, and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's competitive, um, and I guess, yeah, a bit more of a, a legacy league or, you know, that holding on to players um, sort of throughout their career rather than just keeping, you know, the best half of your squad yeah, of course. All right, so what do you guys play for? You got a trophy or is there cash? What's on the line? Um, we do a samurai sword, actually, which is um, engraved. <laughs> um, uh, so this year, unfortunately, it's actually in storage um, because the, the winner of it has just recently moved over to the UK um, and obviously couldn't take a samurai sword with him. Um, I think he did oh. look into it, but he has to be part of a historical society or something like that. Um, <laughs> so he wasn't going to... He wasn't going to bother with that. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what the winner gets. Uh, the loser has to do a, um open mic set um, <laughs> at, a, at a local pub. So, um, yeah, five minutes uh, at least, which is, you know, we wanted something that's, uh, that's pretty embarrassing, but something that you still keep uh, a shred of dignity going around as well. So um, that's, that's always a good, a good night. Um, I think the pub always freaks out because it's usually a, Tuesday or Wednesday at a quiet pub and we tend to bring about 50 of us down with uh, partners and, uh, you know, work colleagues and everything like that. So it, uh, it gets it gets pretty hectic and, yeah, the pub's usually only got one or two people pouring beers. So, um, yeah. yeah, they get a bit of a freak out, but it's, it's always a good night. Oh, that's incredible, mate. I love the sound of that. Uh, yeah, doing it in a public venue as well makes it a bit more nerve-wracking. I like it. Uh, how do you decide your uh, draft order? Uh, do you um, do a lottery or do you yeah, have any other kind of novelty events to decide that? Uh, no, we just do the um, reverse ladder order. Um, I think we did initially sort of um, flirt with that idea of, of having something like that, but um, we wanted to be able to do the trading picks. So, um, you know, yep. and people sort of do the pick swaps as well of, you know, if it's even a, a first rounder for a first rounder, but you might be at the... Uh, you know, the pointy or well, yeah, at the top and trading with someone down towards the bottom. So getting that value there. So um, now we just, uh, yeah, reverse ladder order. But um, already the guy who's come last uh, from the previous season traded his first uh, round one and round two picks away. So he's um, already a little bit screwed over for this year's draft. But, uh, that's the way it is for him. Yeah, unlucky for that guy. Anyway, um, so yeah, any other uh, funny league stories before you go? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's it's always a bit of a laugh with the with the comedy set, um, especially you know because you don't want to 
sort of ruin the integrity of the night as an open mic night. So the guys uh, who do come last actually have to kind of pretend that they do want to be comedians. Um, yep. I think both <laughs> both the guys who have performed so far have actually been approached afterwards to ask uh, by other comedians and asked if they want to do another set down in another pub with them. Um, so that's that's always a good laugh. But um, <laughs> no, it's always just uh, you know a lot of a lot of banter and um, yeah, it's, it's a good good fun league with a. Uh, yeah, a lot of you know pushing of the rules and things like that, but no, good fun. Yeah, cool. All right, Michael, cheers for uh, joining this week on the Keeper League, and yeah, have a good one. Thank you. All right, thanks to Michael from that one. Uh, I reckon that's one of the more brutal punishments, really, uh, making your mates do a five-minute stand-up set at an uh, open mic night. Jeez. I, I've uh, done a lot of public speaking in my time, but I don't <laughs> think I could handle an open mic night. I think I would, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. be cowering in the corner. That is a great league punishment. Well done to that uh, league there, and thanks, Michael, for sharing that with us. So what are we doing this week, Kays? Well, we're taking a break from our player analysis uh, pods, and we're just looking at just a starting a keeper league or keeper league trends, that kind of thing in general. So we're going to share a few tips and tricks and uh, some of the things that we've learned over the years. But we're also going to talk about our uh, top 10 rankings for each position. Yep. Um, this is all keeper league stuff, so um, may not be relevant if you're doing a redraft league. We're looking at uh, all the, you know, basically if you're starting up a keeper league from scratch, yep. who should be targeting in each position. So um, I think we'll start off with our, our tips and tricks and um, get into it that way. All right, so the first tip or trick we have at the moment is, uh, yeah, sort out the rules before you start. So by that I mean sort out how many keepers. I think that's a that's a big one because when you're drafting, you know, if you're uh, if you're keeping a deep list, you want to start be focusing on youth. But if you're only keeping ten or so players, mm-hmm. you know, there's no point focusing on youth. You just pick the best ten players in the competition and work from there. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a that's a big one that we probably didn't do correctly when we started out is we only decided how many keepers we were going to do halfway through the season and it kind of stifled a few people's plans I think so uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's a big one for me uh, what do you think Case? yeah look I suppose it, it all comes down to probably how many um, teams you have in your league as well so um, you know we have a 12 probably a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight we've got a 12 team competition so yeah um, yes definitely knowing how many keepers you're going to retain is a big thing because you know a lot of people might um, draft for you know high-end talent um you know, maybe for top 10 and then you get real speculative towards the end and then yeah. they're screwed because they've got to find six more keepers or 12 more keepers or, what you know, whatever it might be. So yeah. um, definitely set that up from the start. So you just basically go, all right, we're doing few, uh, squads of 40 and we're keeping 20, yeah. you know, and, or vice versa or however you want to do it. Make sure that's set from the start. Otherwise, it can cause a lot of grief later on. Yep. I think uh, another thing you need to probably uh, think about is how you decide your draft order. So mm-hmm. obviously some people just randomize it, but uh, there's lots of fun ways you can actually uh, decide your draft order um, and make sure, you know, the uh, opportunity to ret- uh, attain that uh, number one pick is equal to everyone in your competition. So mm-hmm. we do a punting challenge and yep. then we do a punting lottery yep. uh, later on where people get to wager uh, more money than other people people do and to make the most money for their uh, for their uh, draft positions but there's many ways to do it but I think it's just yeah before you actually start the league before you kind of get to your draft months in advance decide how you're actually going to side the draft order so you can actually prepare for it yeah and also make sure you do whether you're going to go linear or snake as well yeah because true. that makes a massive difference in um, in drafting because you've got to plan a lot more for a snake draft because it can be a very very long time before your pick come back, comes back to you with a snake so yeah um, very important there when starting your keeper league I think it's probably why 
wise to go with the snake and then you go the linear from the years on after that to uh, to boost up uh, the lower teams and things like that. So, yep. yeah, just keep that in mind. Definitely agree. We've also, in our league, because, um, you know, finals comes around and it happens in um, lots of lots of um, just general draft legs, you've got to make sure you set a, a draft deadline or a trade deadline, sorry. Yep. So, you know, you can't have people who are going to bottom out and then just all of a sudden trade their five best players for you know, next year's draft picks yeah. or whatever to, to someone who's near the near the finals. So I always think, you know, we, we do about a month out from yeah. the end of the season. So yeah. it still leaves a bit of, uh, unless you've really bottomed out and are stinking up yeah. and you know that you're, you're destined to, to not make the finals. It's always good to still keep it enough time so that if people still can, uh, you know, are mathematically a chance to yeah. make the finals, they're not going to just trade away their team to, to someone who might offer you know, beers or schnitzels or whatever, <laughs> some of the currencies we talk, we have uh, in our league. So I think the more likely uh, scenario is, you know, that someone might just take all the uh, the other person or person A or team A's, uh, all injured players that are mm-hmm. younger yep. uh, given, and then give him, you know, your Gary Ablett's, your Heath Shaw's, all those type of players, basically listing my team right now. Yes. <laughs> Wonder how um, you won the flag last year. Huh? <laughs> uh, just giving away those players and just throwing the rest of the season and then guaranteeing someone else a flag for basically nothing. So, yep. um, yeah, you just want to be wary of that. So if you set the trade deadline, so, uh, every other team is kind of still in the hunt and there's still a possibility of making the finals. I reckon that kind of works out a bit better. For sure. Uh, the next one we have is positions. So, um, with uh, with the thing that we're doing at the moment, we, we found out there's a lot of leagues who use two ruckmen. Um, yep. We go with the one ruck because rucks are bloody useless and uh, you know, quite hard to find, especially when you need any backup if someone pulls out late. So, yeah. you know, uh, we also do um, four defenders, six mids, four forwards, three utilities and the Ruckman. So we, yeah. we implement that utility rule, um, which just means a bit more flexibility with uh, positions really. So yeah. um, make sure you stick to that so that people can draft accordingly. Yeah. Um, I don't mind the idea of having two rucks. The only issue is there's, it's actually hard to find two rucks who play every week. So yeah. I don't mind having to have a shit player on your field if that's everyone's forced in the same situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's when you, people are getting donuts consistently each week, that's when it starts to get uh, lose a bit of fun. Yeah, with a 12-team 12, 12 leg, if you've got two ruckmen, yeah. you know, that's 24 rucks. Yeah. You know, potentially not even 24 rucks will be playing you know, in a week. Yep. So, you know, it, just, it opens up the chance for donuts, which and no one likes a donut, especially if you can't you know, use someone off your bench to replace that in the ruck. So just yeah. make sure you have a good think about what you want to do and, um, you know, whether you do want to make sure people are scraping the bottom of the barrel for a, you know, a crappy ruckman who might score you 40, that might be the way you win. But, yeah. um, you know, it's 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 something you've got to decide early. Yeah. So another big one is um, deciding whether you have captains on or off because that really affects your first few rounds of the draft. Uh, if captains are on, you want to get a good captain option. Someone who's got the potential mm-hmm. to get you a 150 every now and then and, uh, yeah, score you 300 points. Uh, if the captains are off, then you might be trying to fill positions and stuff and find more unique players a bit uh, earlier. So it will actually affect the way you draft if whether you've got captains on or off. So another thing to think about. Now, lockout settings and as an ex-commissioner, what was your kind of view on lockouts? Well, I think this is a um, league-wide consensus that we locked out on Friday night and had the rolling lockout if the game was on the Thursday Mm -hmm. um, just because we don't really like giving people second chances at captaincies and loopholes. You know, your captain's your captain, stick to them, back yourself, back your own research, back your own projections and uh, go from it. But some people like doing the rolling lockout, um, gives themselves a second chance at the captain and some bench options and stuff like that. Week, if you ask me, but <laughs> I will say it's a, it's a, such a good novelty when loopholes are in play because yeah, everyone yeah, gets so excited that you know yeah. well, I might give Jack Rewalt captaincy on you know um, the first game of the round or something like that just because he might score a hundred and he can quickly sneak it onto someone better. But uh, well, when we started though as well, there was there wasn't as many Thursday night games and things like true. that, so it was yep. very rarely there would be a loophole. You might get one or two loopholes a year, maybe round mm-hmm. one and then somewhere elsewhere. But yep. now it seems like every second week there's a Thursday night game, so everyone's it getting does. a loophole. 
anyway. Um, and then, you know, then the people who have teams that play fr- a Thursday or Friday kind of get the advantage, uh, whereas other people don't. So it does actually kind of make sense to have a rolling lockout, but it depends on what your league goes for. I don't think our league would go for a rolling lockout. We're a no. big fan of the Friday nights. We're or, traditionalists. Yeah. This AFL like shit and all that can get stuff. <laughs> um, I think the big one is, and we've had a few questions about this on Twitter and the like, is that, you know, how, how to find people for a league. Yeah. Um, we are, you know, obviously we're pretty committed. We're doing a podcast about it. But, yeah. you know, the 10 other blokes in our league, we're all pretty committed. Yeah. And I think that makes it for us. You know, there's lots of passion, you know, this time of year. There's bulk emails and WhatsApp messages going yeah. on about trades and draft picks, selections and all that kind of thing. So, the blokes who can commit the time and are enthusiastic are the ones you want in your league, I think. Yeah. I think, I guess, the best way to kind of run a league, I think, is with people you actually know, um, like that you spend a fair bit of time with and you're going to actually get into each other and talk about it on weekends and stuff like yep. that. Um, when you're kind of joining random ones online or where there's multiple friendship groups and things like that, uh, it can be a bit hard to kind of keep the personal level about. And I think that's what mm-hmm. really keeps people coming back is that kind of, you know, the pride of, the pride of beating your mates and things like that. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think just the main message is just make sure everyone you're playing, you know that everyone you're playing with is committed because nothing's worse than getting four years in or something and then two people drop out and then the league folds or something like yep. that when you're just starting to build your team or yep. something like that. So you've just got to ensure you've got a good bunch of people. They're going to be playing every week. Yeah, the banter is the key and, you know, when you're yeah, talking about definitely. it after footy on Saturday or on yeah. a golf course or whatever yeah. and, you know, basically your whole life is transfixed <laughs> with your keeper leg, that's, oh. uh, that's that's what it's all about it's, I feel sorry for people that don't play fantasy football and have to hang out with us and listen to what we talk about week in, week out, you know, the whole round of golf in the in the sheds after the footy, everything. It I must can, be awful. I can see why no one wants to play golf with you. Um, <laughs> the uh, other one for this little um, section is I think that's um, – Another question we had was rules can change year to year. So you can bring in rules in the off season, but you need to make sure that uh, no rules just get bent or changed yeah. mid season because you need to have a level playing field. There's always going to be someone in the, the league, um, probably thinking of uh, Tom in our league, who always tries <laughs> to get something going yeah. so that it can, you know, greatly affect. Exactly. So yeah. whatever the rules are set for the start of the year, they need to be Im- implemented for the whole year and then reassess uh, come end of season. Well, that leads perfectly into my next uh, subheading in our uh, running sheet, and that is the commissioner needs to take charge. First, I'll preface this with Hef <laughs> as a former commissioner of our league. Just soaked up the hate he loved it he <laughs> fed off it he was like chad corns at port power people could abuse him and he just it made him a better commissioner really he just uh, i don't know how you do it yeah well well i guess i i, I learned from the mistakes of our past commissioners uh joe if you're listening uh <laughs> that democracies do not work uh i guess whenever when we're having a google form every second week to vote on this and then there's a 50 50 split and then how do we decide that sometimes the commissioner just has to say nah this is the way we're doing it and that kind of personality if you've got one of those type of blokes in your friendship group are really good the guys that don't mind being hated but are actually going to be strong with their decisions and make decisions i think that's half the battle sometimes just wishy-washing around uh decisions and just ruling with an iron fist is uh, yeah. crucial, I think, for the commissioner. So it's it's funny. I, as uh, you know, I actually don't mind being told what to do, yeah. but you need to have someone who you can just say, "Nah, yeah. suck it up and do deal with it." Yes, yeah. I'll whinge, and yes, I'll <laughs> like to have my and I'll get my eighty say. messages in my WhatsApp. For exactly. <laughs> yes, but you know, at the same time, uh, as long as everyone's you know living and dying by the sword with the commissioner, I think that's the most important thing. So make sure whoever's in charge can really take the take the heat. Yep. 
All right, next uh, thing we'll be looking at is uh, drafting in general. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about a few tips to help you draft and we'll probably go on these uh, a bit more detail as we go through. But um, I guess the first one is depending on the depth of your league, but don't get too hung up on youth. Mm-hmm. Now, quite often we see keeper league started and uh, first round someone's picking up a, a gun first year player or gun second year player, sorry, from the previous year or, you know, and then Sam Walsh will go pick two or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, round two. Yep. And like we don't want to – I reckon we don't want to see that in keeper leagues because, you know – some, first of all, you're going to need captains and things like that if they're playing or just good scorers. Mm-hmm. But also, someone's got to win that first year. Yep. Like, you know, someone's got to flag up. Someone's got to take home the flag in that first year. So, why not it just be the person, you know, why not be you? Why do you have to kind of go for the youth over a guy who's going to score you more points yep. when someone's got to win it? You know? It's so true, especially if you're playing for cash or prizes yeah. or whatever you do for your league. Yes, don't get hung up on youth, but, you know, just draft sensibly. Yeah. You know, so maybe go into the draft with a bit of a plan, you know, like yep. – um, but, you know, your mate you might be targeting, you know, blokes under 25. Let yep. him go for it. Yeah. But there's still going to be plenty of blokes, you know, 25 to 30 who are still scoring guns and yeah. are going to be good for two or three years. You might take, you know, the first three premierships while everyone else is finally getting up to speed. Yeah. So, um, don't get too hung up on youth. I wouldn't actually be drafting too many people who have played three or four years less. Yeah. You know, because I just don't think that they're there and you still, yeah. yes, you might miss a couple of players, but you know, every draft you do, you miss someone. Well, the big one was uh, Tim Taranto and I kind of got shot down on Twitter. I said, are we still that keen on him? Meaning, you know, if he was a forward and you're coming into your next keeper league, I'd be taking him real early, like third round pick, second round, third round pick after I mm-hmm. picked my captaincy. Now he's only a midfielder. And he only averaged 90 last year. Obviously, he's going to be a gun, but he's not someone I'm going to pick that high up the order. I'm probably going to take a decent positional player yep. or um, yeah, try to get someone who's a bit more proven and had more than one season under the belt. We'll talk about this a bit later when we go through our ranks for each um, position. It might make a bit more sense. But yeah, definitely. Just actually for a bit, just pick the players who are proven and then work down from there, I think. Yeah. So uh, this leads into a story, I guess, about a guy who used to be in our league. And I'm not going to name him. I'm not, not, I'm not going to give him the uh, satisfaction. But uh, what he did was basically just picked all the old dudes. He Anyone that was going to score well, he didn't care about youth at all. Knowing that there was a, uh, a $600 prize on the end of the, on the league, he won it in his second year and then quit. You know, so you get a few people like that. So yep. good, good by him to do that, I guess. To, he knew he knew the cash was on the uh, on the end of it, and he uh, yeah built it up that way. But again, like he won the prize, he won a flag. He's got a flag next to his name, yep. and uh, yeah, so it can be done, I guess. He did start a trend though. Yeah, he did. You know, and <laughs> I sold my soul to the devil, and it didn't work out when Matt Boyd and Sam Mitchell came to my team. I tried to chase that thing, yep. but you know, it worked for you last year. You got in some older blokes, and it, and it actually works well, so yeah generally the guys winning the flags are the guys with the you know more, more experienced team and the guys you can actually rely on a bit more so i guess there was something to it and he taught us a bit of a lesson i guess but that's no fun i'd rather get the youth <laughs> and you know always be a chance next year but you know that's just me uh, so as you spoke about before hef it's important to draft the captain yeah. so if you uh you know so we've got a 12 team league your first pick regardless of who you love who you think might be good in five years time i don't care yeah you must draft a captain yeah. So you need to be finding someone who can at least average 100, 110, you know, those kind of players. So whether you hate them, don't like the team they play for, doesn't matter. You need to find someone who you can back in week in, week out, who's a consistent scorer yep. and put the C on them and forget about it for yep. the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, that's obviously if you're playing with captains. Uh, It might be a bit different if you're not, but, uh, yeah, we'll continue on anyway. So, the other thing is as well, um, positional bias case. Now, how do you feel about positional bias? There's a lot of debate about it, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your uh, take on it? Um, I've been burnt 
a lot with backs and rucks. Yep. I've always felt that that's the issue for my team. Um, I'm actually going to take a fair few backs into this season because I just know they run so low. Yep. And I'm happy to take a lower averaging back than a potentially, you know, mid-averaging mid, if that makes any sense. Yep. But also, I've never had a consistent ruckman. I've always battled, you know, traded in, traded out, never yep. had a consistent ruck who I can just put in there and forget. Yeah. And it's actually probably hurt my team for many years it's caused me a few bad trades trying to get someone to play week to week so i think that while you know it's great to have a big scoring mid and that would be my first pick if i started another brand new keeper league i'd yeah. get a mid who can score every week but then i'd be looking for those backs and rucks because they're the ones who tend to stay in that position yeah but also are harder to find whereas your forwards they a lot of your forwards will, over time will end up being midfielders. So yes, they might be good for a year or two, but yeah. a lot of the time they'll lose that that DPP and just become a, a midfielder. I think when like redrafting, and so there's a few podcasts out there that talk about don't buy into this uh, to positional bias and don't buy into backs being more important than rucks being more important. And I guess a good example uh, is last year in my redraft, I took Reece Stanley really late, and he was serviceable and was enough to get me over the yeah. line. But it's a bit different in keeper leagues because mm-hmm. you, you you can't just go pick someone up off a waiver wire, or you can't usually get someone late. They're usually on another team, and the only way you can get to them is to trade to them or yep. get really really lucky in a draft. Yep. So when you're setting your team up, you need to be really, I guess, conscious of this and uh, make sure you're getting people that are going to stay in those positions or you know someone who's actually going to be on the park like a position like a ruck that's so important yep. if you don't have a good one you're stuffed basically yep. so well like someone like you you've had Paddy Ryder for years yep. you know um, who's kind of coming to his twilight years now but yep. you know if you've had uh, Sam Jacobs you know he's never left that team because he's such a valuable asset because you know he plays every week yep. he's a decent scorer whereas I've gone through you know your Nick Nats your bloody I don't even know. I've gone through that many Ruckman. It's <laughs> not funny. Had every know? West Coast Ruckman last year. And <laughs> exactly. Now got your decent score. And now hopefully I'm fine. Hopefully I find that Tim English can be my man for, for many years <laughs> to come, but that's still fingers crossed. But, you know, just have a think about that and um, don't get sucked in early either. If, you know, a few Rucks go, just make sure that you're finding someone who's going to be best 22 and playing each week. And just so those ones are set and forgets. Yeah, of course. All right. Next thing I'm going to talk about, I guess, is uh, we've got this, uh, this subheading as awareness, but I guess uh, the first kind of uh, thing of awareness we're going to be talking about is awareness of your team and what's left in the pool mm-hmm. so I think some people get caught up in the draft night you know whether they've had too many beers too many snags too many Chico rolls yep. I'm not sure they just kind of start drafting they're like oh hang on I've only got three backs and we're now you know 25 picks in yep. or something like that so I guess just having awareness of what your team needs and then mm-hmm. what's coming up and then thinking also as well like all right I'm keen on this player but I'm not sure if anyone around in the in the in my league is going to be onto him. So I might yep. be able to leave him for a, a round or two and just being awareness and putting the feelers out and looking through your group chat and see mm-hmm. who people are keen on yep. and just being awareness of what's left in the pool and where you think people are going to go. I will say that while we give one of our um, league mates a bit of stick for, you know, not being able to use a computer and loving his <laughs> highlighters and pens, I don't know, he still really uses a, a quill. But um, he, what I do like on draft night is actually writing down the players I have drafted and putting yep. them on a bit of a, you know, backs, forwards, mids, just so you've actually got something in in front of you yeah, yeah and you've got that awareness of what's going on and i think that helps a lot because it can you know while you want might have a bit of a draft order you do have to be very flexible about you know who goes when where and, and all that and you know a couple of picks can ruin your whole kind of order and your yeah. flow of your team so you've got to be on the ball 
definitely enjoy your, your beers and your Chico rolls, but um, yeah, just make sure you're, you're aware of what's going on. I think that comes into your rankings and your tiers as well, mm-hmm. kind of ties yep. into that. So uh, yeah, I guess ranking your players and then you know setting around about you're happy to take them in the draft, what rounds and that sort of stuff is something you should be doing before the draft. If you come into draft day doing no research and just picking players at random, it's going to be tough. Yeah, and bad luck, you're going to lose. <laughs> um, the other one is what we're talking about is when it's your turn and um, <laughs> look, not that sounds a bit um, simple, but when you're uh, starting off a, a league and it's going in a, especially a snake draft. So if you've got pick one, you've got to be very mindful that you're not going to get another pick in a 12 team league until pick 24, yeah. right? And then you've got 25. So um, the draft, I just talk about it quite well on a couple of their pods where it's about, you know, trying to start a trend of taking picks and um, yeah. players and positions. And yes, that's true, but it's actually about planning ahead as well. So make sure that you're just not, um, um, picking up someone just for the sake of it um, without you know thinking about when you're going to get your next pick again because that can really you know hurt your team. So I guess a good example is maybe you're coming to your uh, your third pick. So say you have pick one, you get to pick 24. So you've got 24 and 25. And at 25, you can there's about four top-line defenders left. And uh, so if you don't take a top-line defender at that point, you've got to wait again another whole round of 24 picks. And by that time, all those defenders are gone and you're playing with some guys scoring you 70 yep. uh, on your back, in your back line yep. every week. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's just something to think about as well. It's just, yeah, awareness um, of, guess, when it's your turn and when you're going to have your next pick and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next, guys? Well, the other one is awareness of value. Yeah. Now, value is a funny one because value means a lot of things to different people. So, it's actually quite good and we've found over the years that if someone likes a particular player, yeah. it's actually quite advantageous to take the player <laughs> before your other coach does. So, you know, we've got a couple of people who have big crushes on uh, Jager O'Meara and they were pinched before someone else is going to take him. And I swear to God, if someone takes Jackson Hatley this year, I will <laughs> go around to their house and egg it. But um, look, someone like you, like Port players or oh. someone like... You know, not anymore. Yeah, they're, fan- <laughs> they're, they're now fantasy relevant. But, um, you know, some people do have loves for particular players. So, it's always, you know, if sometimes if it's a toss-up, potentially just take that player just to annoy another coach because it can drive their value up come trade time Yeah, definitely. The sometimes you can trade them up for uh, something that might be worth a little bit more. So, yep. yeah, always think about that. And it's, again, it's, I guess, awareness of your, your fellow coaches and knowing what they're mm-hmm. like and what they're after in the draft. Um, I guess the last thing we'll talk about is uh, awareness of just, um, well, research, I guess, is a, is a big part of it. So, my saying is um, I reckon your last 10 picks are just as important as your first 10 because mm-hmm. at that point in time, if you're picking someone who, can maybe get you an 80 or a 90 you know late in the draft when other people are just picking absolute garbage there's a huge advantage then in like your first 10 picks everyone's going to have pretty reasonable players yep. but you know some late picks I've got uh, recently with like uh, Menegola a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, Warple was one, one I got last year Chera as well I picked up really late so um, yeah some of those last picks when there's absolute filth going and other coaches have basically just given up and they're going I don't really care what I pick I'm just uh, filling up numbers here and I'm, I haven't researched this deep to go, to go this deep yep. um, that's some like some of the times that you can do the most damage I guess this is why we're here we're here to tell you about those players so but look it is the thing that you know as you said a lot of those guys will end up drafting you know a Lockie Henderson because they know they play and they know yeah, they're yeah. going to get 60 or 70 and you know but end of the day no one wants them and they've got no value at all because one you're never going to start them unless you've completely been depleted they might be a bench option at best but you can't even package them up for something else so you know just make sure you do your research have a look at the kids that we talk about on the on our draft pod and and that kind of thing and go from there and actually you know make sure you do that research because you know that's what we're here for we're here to find that that junk in the 
Well, not junk. <laughs> We're trying, trying to find those uh, those good players in the junk and, and go from there. So make sure you do your research because come draft night, you're going to dominate it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, the last thing we talk about, I guess, is the fun and the community aspect of uh, of a uh, keeper league. So again, you guys, you're, the guys that you're playing with, you're going to be stuck with for quite a few years because of uh, you've entered into this uh, this sacred league together. Mm-hmm. So I guess just have a bit of fun. We reckon the draft night is one of the best nights of the year. You know, you get together with your mates, you uh, mm-hmm. you have a few beers, you sit around in a in a lounge room with laptops on yep. your uh, on your laps, just talking absolute trash and so, uh, an- so antisocial but social yeah. at the same time. It's exactly. Crazy. Yeah. I love it when a uh, a real shit pit comes up and the whole room bursts into laughter without it's having fantastic. to say anything. Or yeah. something. <laughs> it is that has actually become a massive point for us because we usually have our draft night after JLT or after preseason. We've yep. actually moved it to the first of March this year, so we get to watch one JLT game before we draft yep. purely because we have the chance of getting everyone in the same room. Yeah, and that's what it's all about to us. You know, yes, we'd love to know a few more bits and pieces about some players. Yeah, but stuff it because we can get all together and have a few chico rolls and a couple of. <laughs> Couple of big black fishes and uh, celebrate the night. Well, yeah, and that, yeah, and that said, I guess like we are we are creating a podcast to help you win your league, and we do take it seriously. But yeah, the nothing would it wouldn't even matter if you hadn't, it didn't have the mates to play with, I guess. And yeah, uh, these kind of nights that's uh, come up. So yeah, make sure you enjoy them. Make sure you have a bit of fun. The other ones are bits and pieces throughout the year. So we've been featuring a few different leagues around, and it's been fantastic to hear about the fines, the bets, the awards, and stuff they offer yep. or award throughout the year. Sorry, and you know that just makes it fun too. Because yes, you might not be winning, but you might be able to have you know I don't know the the best rising star, which gives you some cash, or yep. you know you common medals or something exactly, like that. or yep. you might have a bet between me and Hef that Jack Bose is going to score a hundred this year, and you know <laughs> like we might have a beer or a schnitzel or something on it, and that's what it's all about for us. You know, it's about you know making the whole season fun enjoyable and but also making sure you give all your fellow coaches plenty of shit yep i guess the other bit of it is uh the whatsapp groups the uh, mess- facebook messengers the uh email trains i got out of a meeting this afternoon and had about 80 whatsapp messages so uh so it's a slow day yeah yeah pretty much on our train for sure yeah. Uh, so yeah just anything that goes with that it's uh it's real good fun it's uh Gets you, uh, gets you through your working day sometimes just reading through all that crap. So, uh, yeah, no, nah, it's good fun. And other bits and pieces that make the, the work day go quickly is, uh, you know, we make up some of our news articles yep. and um, – uh, one of the guys in our group writes a power rankings. Yep. I uh, do my best demo Barrett and write sliding doors, which sliding basically doors is a fantastic article. Which basically gives me uh, the right to just talk <laughs> shit about uh, anyone on the league or, off. or try and you know weasel a player out of someone. Um, and the other one that's always a good one is uh, what have we learnt last week? Um, yep. Another bloke just teeing off on other teams, which is fantastic. <laughs> but you know we've got a few team logos made up. There's trophies. There's bits and pieces. It's 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 part of the the, the community, the group, which is makes it all fun. So. Make sure you get plenty of that stuff involved in your in your um, keeper leg when you start it up. All right, for the rest of the uh, podcast, we're going to talk about some uh, rankings of uh, different positions. So, yeah, we're going to go through our top tens. Um, this week on our uh, Patreon page, which we'll uh, talk about a bit more later, we're going to actually release uh, our full list of our rankings. So, I think we'll release Defenders this week um, and then move forward from there. So, weekly we'll have our top uh, 100 rankings. I think we'll do top 50 for Rucks. So, we'll have them coming out on our Patreon page. So, if you're keen on getting access to those, www.patreon.com slash pod. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's have a look at some defenders first up so I'm going to go through uh, my top 10 and then we're going to have a case we'll talk about what's different about his top 10 so here we go my top 10 defenders for keeper league so number one I've got Jake Lloyd number two Rory Laird three Lockie Whitfield 
Number four, Alex Witherden. Number five, James Sicily. Six, Zach Williams. Seven, Connor Blakely. Uh, eight, Jack Crisp. Nine, Nick Newman. And ten, Sam Doherty. So, Kays, what do you think of those? Pretty close. I think we've uh, only got two different in our top ten. Yep. Our top five are identical. Um, yep. Obviously, Jake Lloyd, Rory Laird are probably going to be defenders for, you know, quite yep. a long time. So, that's yep. why they're at the top. They're, they're big scorers and will probably keep that status. Jake Lloyd ahead of uh, Rory Laird for me purely because those kick-out numbers I reckon are really going to boost him up this year. Even if he gets mm-hmm. 50% of them, yep. he's going to be huge. Where Rory Laird was more on the receiving end of the kick-outs last year. Yep. So, I don't see his numbers moving too much. But he's still a gun. Yeah, true. Um, Lockie Whitfield in number three for both of us. Yeah, so um, he's pushed down probably a little bit just because there is a chance he might move back into that midfield someday where I think the other two is a lock for defenders. Correct, but he's still going to be a gun midfielder, which yep. uh, makes him fairly valuable. Yep. Uh, Alex Witherden's number four for both of us as well. Yeah. Uh, he's just going to be one of those blokes who's going to be a jet, uh, going to kick in a lot and also will retain his back status. Yeah, and he's probably the, far as the best see. pick of the young blokes in the comp as well. So, yeah, definitely 100%. get onto that bloke. And Sis in five. Yeah, so I guess another one who's earmarked to take a lot of kickouts as well. You know, there is a chance he might go back forward at some stage as well, but even then that's a handy positional to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think Sicily we can comfortably have at five, and I think we both agree there because we've got the same ranking. So here's where they differ, though. So what do you have, Kays, at number six? Right, so I actually had Wayne Miller at six. Now, yep. I think he's going to take his game to the next level. Uh, that's basically the reason I've got him in there. But I also think that he's going to – He's a big chance to keep back status for a while because the Crows midfield's still quite solid. Yep. He's going to pinch hit a lot in the guts as well. But I just think he's got that ability that they just want to use, give the ball to him to use. Yep. And I think that he, they're just going to feed the ball through him. We might go, you know, kick out to Laird, to Miller, game on, Crows scoring. So I'm a big rapper Miller this year. Yeah, um, I like him as a, as a breakout contender. It's just I'm always, you know, if I'm starting a new league, I probably want to go somewhere who's a bit more proven, although Zach mm-hmm. Williams did spend a year out with injury. Correct. That's why um, Zach's only in my – he came in at number 10. Yep. So I'm, he's going to get the kickouts, which uh, I think is great for him. But yep. I'm always just a bit wary of players coming off a, a big injury. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, in seven, I've got Andy McGrath. Now, you don't have him in your top 10. Can you run me through why he's not in your top 10 heifer? Well, purely because I think there's going to be 10 better scorers uh, – Ahead of him in time. Don't want to <laughs> have a you know. Don't want to entertain the fact he might get some uh, midfield minutes or yeah. Goddard's role. Well, I think he's a likely candidate to move into the midfield permanently at some stage. And even now, you know, he's not scoring super high numbers. I think he's only in the seventies, isn't he? Yeah. Um, at the moment, so yeah, all the other guys, I know either either around the eighty mark or uh, you know should go in the eighty. Someone like Nick Newman should go a bit higher this year. So yeah, mm. I just yeah just think there's ten better blokes ahead of him. That's all. Mm, I totally disagree, but <laughs> we can have that fight another day. But I just think that. He, he's going to be one that's going to keep his back status as well. Okay. I think he's not going to be going in the midfield this year. Yeah. So he's going to be one you can lock in for a while in the backs. Yeah. Um, so Connor Blakely's in there. Obviously, yes, we know he's injured, but yep. um, I think that probably almost helps him because it might mean that he might start on the halfback flank when he comes into the team. Yeah, yeah. Which might make him keep his back status for another season. So yep. that's an interesting one, one to monitor. Yeah. Uh, Jack Chris, we've both got in there around the eight and nine. He's Chris, solid- I do worry about because his numbers are quite good because of the midfield time that he gets. Yep. And with Beams coming in, uh, a few young players coming through, it might push him out a little bit more. So that was a bit of a risky one for me. Yeah, I think he's still the top ten, uh, top ten defender. Oh yeah, I think. yeah, of course. And I had Zach Williams in there. Now the two that I don't have in from your team is Nick Newman. Yep. My issue is I'm yes he can score and yes he can play. I I'm still not. I just want to see him play at Carlton before yeah, I yeah. get too excited. So he'd be in the next bracket that 10, uh, yeah, 11 yeah. to fifteen no dramas. Now Sam Doherty. Yep. He's number ten for you. He didn't make my top ten. Yeah. Oh, well, I think well he's the. 
by far the best defender in the competition, way better than Jake Lloyd if he's fit. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if you're taking him at 10, you're probably sacrificing yourself a bit and you're kind of taking the gamble on does a guy come back from two ACLs. But in, if, you, in your, if you're ranking a defender around 10th, that's going to be around you know fourth, fifth round that you're going to be taking. And I think that's just where he goes. So, yeah. It's, it's risky because, one, he may never come back and be any good. Yeah. You know, he's done two ACLs in a row. So, he's coming back from no footy in two years off one of the hardest injuries to come back from. That's a massive concern for me. Yeah. Secondly, you're basically sacrificing a back spot or a position on your team for a year. Yeah, I know. So, to do that in the – to have that as a top 10, I'm just – I'm not about that at all. I don't know. I just find it hard to slide him any lower – to be honest, so yeah, that's just what I'm going to go with. Interesting. <laughs> but uh, there are top tens. Let us know what you think. And uh, let's move on to the mids. All so right. well, I get the chance to go first. So number one, Jack McRae. Number two, Zach Merritt. Number three, Josh Kelly. Number four, Matt Crouch. Number five, Patrick Cripps. Number six, Clayton Oliver. Number seven, Lockie Neal. Number eight, Tom Mitchell. Number nine, Lockie Hunter. And number 10, Seb Ross. All right, so mine are uh, – there's a few different for, for mine in there, but I'll read through mine and then we'll kind of compare a few of them. So mm-hmm. my top 10 was Jack McRae, Patrick Cripps, Tom Mitchell, Zach Merritt, Josh Kelly, Matt Crouch, Clayton Oliver, Stephen Canelio, uh, Seb Ross and Andrew Gaff. So I guess we we only Jack McRae is the only one we really agree on at the start. Yep. And then I've gone straight to uh, Paddy Cripps and you've gone Zach Merritt. So what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on Merritt there, Case? Um, I think with the addition of Shiu, it potentially gives him a bit more free reign. Yep. Um, a bit more easy ball, potentially. Yep. That's just my thinking. I think he's a gun. Like there's not been a game where he, you know, has, you know, really been dominated by anyone. He, yep. he just finds it. I've got no issue with you having Patrick Cripps in too. You know, for me, um, you know, McRae, Merritt, Kelly, Crouch, Cripps, uh, probably pretty hard to split because they're yeah. young. They're going to be playing in the guts for a long time and they can all score. Yeah. So, however you want to mix that up, I, I'm not too fast. Just with Merritt for me, like he's obviously my fourth ranked player, so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't disregard him at all yep. but uh, started last year really battled with that tag did kind of work his way out of it later and I think his teammates actually started playing better footy and that helped him but with Essendon they can always go either way so we don't really know yep. with Shield coming in I don't think that really helps him too much because I, if I was coaching against him he'd still be my go-to man for that tag yeah. I don't think Shield was really worth tagging or anything like that so uh, I do worry about that tag that he did suffer early but I think it'll Entirely depends on how well Essendon play. Mm-hmm. And I know when teams get hyped up in a, in a preseason, a lot of the time they end up going the opposite way. So I'm just a bit yeah. weary. But, uh, you know, I'm probably going to be wrong and Essendon will be uh, top four this year and uh, Zach Merritt will be averaging 140. So, yeah, knowing my luck, that'll happen. But, uh, yeah, moving on. Yes. Now, uh, Clayton Nova, we've gotten six and seven respectively. We're not too worried about uh, injury, you know, coming off his uh, surgery over the off-season. Uh, not so much because you guess we're looking for years on end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of surprised we both had him a little bit lower. My, my thinking was that he just plays a bit more of an inside role that he can kind of get caught uh, caught up in that. But yep. uh, still warrants a, a top 10 pick. But, uh, yeah. Now, I have Lockie Neal in my top 10. You don't have him. Why is that? Um, I'm just well going on last season. I'm yet to kind of see where he will fit in at Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And, again, I just think there was better players to put ahead of him. Okay. <laughs> um, Lockie Hunter is another one that I've got in there. You don't. Obviously, the same. Basically, rinse and repeat. Yeah, exactly. You know. I put him in there because I think he's one of those guys who can go massive. Yep. You know, like he is a, a real 
potentially not the safest captain option. Yep. But if he's got those days where he can get 150s for fun, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's why he's in my top 10. Now, I'm probably regretting not having Caniglio in there because I'm a big rap on him, actually. And one of the ones I was talking uh, about earlier where he's 25. Now, yeah. people might disregard him because he's not in this, you know, super group of uh, Merritt, Kelly, Crouch, that 23-year-olds who they can see, you know, a few extra years from. But, geez, Caniglio is so consistent. Well, like, average 110 uh, yeah. last year, so. He's almost a forgotten dream teamer, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't get any any press. Yeah, when you, if you look at his last three games of last season, well, 135, 106, 152. Yeah. Uh, a couple of scores in 90, 70, but then 144 the week before that. Yeah. Started the year last year with 146. So yeah. there's some big scores in there. He is one that potentially slides just because he doesn't have a name. So um, <laughs> just uh, I was I was guilty of that, but make sure you're not. But again, with Shield going as well, I reckon that helps him too. So just another thing. Yep. Now you've got Gaff in there. Yep. I'm, uh, how does Gaff and Sheed fit into the same team? Or do they? Or Sheed goes back to being a waffle player or a bit player yeah well Sheed it's, it's a tough one we're gonna have to see I think he's earned a bit of respect uh, from the uh, from the coach after the grand final yep. um, so we might see him given a bit more opportunity throughout the year that said I don't think them in the same side is going to affect gaff scoring too much playing mm-hmm. that you know they both play similar roles but playing an outside role you know they could be they could line up on opposite wings or something like that that might yep. help them I'm not sure um, but the other one is uh, the one I talk about is uh, Seb Ross is someone who's rocketed uh, into both of our top 10 so how mm-hmm. do we think he'll go this year He's just super solid. Yeah. He's just one of those guys, almost another forgotten warrior of the, the Dream Team world. Yep. He just scores for fun and he can really rack them up and at big numbers. Yeah. Um, look, potentially Hanabry coming in, I don't know if it really affects him yeah. because he just goes about his business and exactly. does what he does. So yeah. I think Hanabry coming in just gives St. Kilda more options, but I don't yeah. think it hurts Ross at all. No, yeah, well, we saw like things like Jack Stephen go out of the side for a bit. So now the midfield was at, uh, at St. Kilda not being uh, you know up to standard last season, but it didn't affect him at all. And last year was the first year he proved he can really score like fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think he's only going to build on that, uh, a bit more confidence. Um, yeah, and I think he's going to really rocket into that top 10 midfield uh, spot uh, this year. Now, the big one in this, you've got Tom Mitchell at three. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have Tom Mitchell at eight. Yep. Now, three, that's a big call. Well, I don't think a broken leg is going to affect him that much. We've seen players come back from broken legs and still do the same thing fanny-wise. Look at Mick Barlow had two of them, can still come back and score 130 mm-hmm. every now and then. So I don't think the broken leg is actually going to affect him. It's a bit different to an ACL or something like that where you've got a uh, a bit more of a, I guess a bit more of an injury concern. But I think if you're taking him, he's still is he's, he's only 25. He's still going to be scoring big numbers for the next five you know five years or so. So I think it's just worth getting. I know it sacrifices your first season and it goes yep. against my mantra of someone's got to win the first year. Correct, but um, I think he's just worth it. As we touched about it on a couple of pods ago, it was basically, especially if you're snake li- snaking for your first year, yeah. if you're taking uh, Tom Mitchell in the first six rounds, yep. you're basically sacrificing a captain option because you're not going to come back to a really, really, really good player until you know your 20s. Yeah. Um, if you can somehow snag Mitchell on that turn, yeah. go for it. But I, he's just too risky for me. Like, yes, he's going to be a gun when he gets back. I'm not debating that at all but I would be rather taking any any of those seven guys I mentioned before because I still think they've got great scoring potential over many years and you're still a chance this year but if we are like worried about um, 
having captain's option for the first year and stuff like that, blokes like Cornelio, blokes like Ross would not not have been in the top 10 last year. Yep. You'd be getting those guys second round. Quite mm. often you get lucky. I reckon a, a few years ago, again, I'm, I'm, apologies for talking about redraft league, but it's kind of the only, league, the only kind of format you would consistently draft each year. Mm. I got David Armitage real late and you had him that year in your keeper league where he was mm. just pumping out 150s each week and, yep. uh, for, uh, for, a, for a section there. So um, you, t- you can get lucky. You can always find someone, I think, in the next few rounds that will kind of step up into that caption role. Yep. Captain Roll. Captain Roll. <laughs> but yeah, look, it's an interesting one. Um, look, as we've s- said before, look, it comes down to what your plan is for this season if you're going in fresh. Um, if you're happy to sacrifice, you might be able to get um, Tom Mitchell and Sam Doherty on the same team. And, yeah. you know, 2020 could be your, 2020 could be your year. So, yeah. um, but just think about it before you go into it. But look, there's plenty of guys who are outside this, you know, like who are still good scorers. But these are the guys who are in that, you know, nice 23 to 25, 26 range of, of age. And they're just going to be scorers for, you know, five plus years. Yep. All right. We'll uh, move on to the rucks, I think. So uh, I'll read through my top 10. Then, Kays, you go through yours and then we'll uh, discuss from there. So uh, rucks, number one. Surprise, surprise. Brody Grundy at number one. Then Max Gorn, Jared Witts, Toby Nan Curvis, Sean Darcy. At six, I have Todd Goldstein. Seven, Ben McAvoy, followed by Tim English, Stefan Martin, and Scott Lysett. Kays, talk us through your top 10. Well, Grundy, Gorn, Wits, Nank, Darcy are all like identical. Yep, top um, five of the obviously, same. Obviously, Brody Grundy's a beast, will be for years. Max Gorn, yes, he's getting older and you don't know about his potential swapping with- There's um, talk of him playing up forward this season. So. But I still think at the moment he's the second best ruckman in the competition. Yep. And as we spoke about before, rucks are important. So yep. he'd be one I'd be happy to take in the second ruck position. Jared Witts, I think, is the best uh, young ruckman out there. And yeah. I think he's just one that's going to be a great scorer for plenty more years to come. Just looking at this now, I'd probably be comfortable with if I had to take Jared Witts as my you know second pick or you mm-hmm. know my second rank, I'd be happy to take him there. Overgone? Yeah, yeah, just thinking about it now because I think he's the one, he will definitely start. I've got more confidence in him staying in that ruck role mm-hmm. and scoring well. Yep. Um, that said, Max Gorn's an absolute score, so it's probably another thing that just kind of comes back to bite me. But uh, yeah, I, I don't mind the look of Jared Witts. Yeah, I like him. Uh, Nank's obviously a good uh, general scorer too. Gets around the ground, lots of other touches, uh, not just hitouts, which is great for Ruckman. Sean Darcy, five. Uh, we've earmarked him before to be a, a big player for the future. Um, we just swap around Ben McAvoy and Todd Goldstein, that six and seven role. Similar ages, McAvoy might be a bit younger, but they're both great Ruckman. So why do you have McAvoy ahead of Goldstein? And I think it just came down to age. I yep. think Goldie's just a few years older than McAvoy. Yep. Um, and that's just, it's picking hairs between the two, really. I think Goldie yeah. could probably score bigger, but McAvoy as a longer-term prospect, yes. Yeah, for me, um, I think Goldstein is the clear number one ruck at North. He's got no competition. Where Ben McAvoy, we might start to see Segler and then Pitney, who was very good in the VFL mm. uh, this year, start to kind of edge in and with teams playing two rucks. Yep. And it seems like, uh, you know, the uh, I think there was an article today saying the trend um, was that we're going to see two rucks and it's kind of the observations everyone's making from pre-season trial games and scratch matches and that sort of stuff that everyone mm. seems to be playing two rucks. Yep. Whereas North don't really have that second ruckman anymore. They picked up uh, Tom Campbell from uh, Western Gun. Bulldogs, but uh, I don't know how many games he'll be getting. Whereas, yeah, those solo rucks I reckon are going to be uh, gold this year. So, yep. speaking of solo rucks, uh, I had uh, Tim English. Yep. When you only had him at 10Ks, I thought you had a lot more love for that guy. I have him at nine, mate. Can't you read? Oh, sorry, You're mate. A you teacher, do too. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, Steph Martin, Tim English got swapped around. I just think. Um, Steph Martin's still got a couple of good years in you. And if you still, if you're going to want to be really, really, um, you know, 
a chance to win over the next couple of years. Steph Martin's probably the safer option. Yep. Tim English, the long term, yes. And Scott Lysett sneaks in at 10 for me, yep. just purely because he's still quite, he's 25 or something like that. And I think once uh, Ryder and Westhoff finally hang up the boots in a year or two, you know, he's going to be easily, you know, Port's number one Ruckman. He will be this year as well, but just yeah, that yeah. he gets more scoring ability uh, once those two leave. Yeah. All right, cool. So that sums up our Rucks. And uh, yeah, Rucks are kind of really kind of easy for the top 10, but uh, once you get lower than that, uh, <laughs> make sure you check out our top 50 Ruck rankings when they uh, get put up on our Patreon page because uh, that was a battle to sort I'm pretty sure that. Rucks 30 to 50, I wouldn't even know if I fell over them in the main straight. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they are useless. Anyway, um, forwards. So I'm going to roll into my forwards here. So number one, I've got Paddy Dangerfield. Number two, Fritz Smith. Number three, Josh Dunkley. Four, Jack Billings. Five, Isaac Heaney. Six, Toby Green. Seven, Toby McLean. Eight, Chad Wingard. Eight, uh, sorry, nine, Sam Manigola. And ten, Jordan Dugowie. Hef, are we... Uh, actually have quite a few different here. So yeah. let me yeah. know what you've got. All right. So at number one, I had uh, Fritz Smith. Number two, Josh Dunkley. Three, Dangerfield. Four, Chad Wingard. Jack Billings at five. Menegola, six. Toby Green at seven. Dugowie at eight. Tim Kelly at nine. And Heaney at ten. So uh, let's have a look at some of the differences. So straight off the bat, I've got Devin Smith, uh, number one. You've got Dangerfield, number one. Mm-hmm. A lot of talk about people thinking he probably won't end up as a forward in following years. Yep. But uh, I guess you could probably say the same for Dev Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, the only reason that puts, makes me put him there is because I think he's just got more of a chance than Dangerfield. Yeah. Um, and but I think he's going to be a better score, a scorer than Josh Dunkley as a forward. I think I think Dangerfield personally has no chance of staying at a forward in a few no. years. But I was surprised that Smith got forward. Uh, yeah, yeah. This year, you know, like from what I, and this is what we talked about before. Forwards are so likely to become mids only yep. at some stage. So if I wouldn't be surprised if Dangerfield, Smith, Dunkley, Billings. Um, you know, Wingard after this year, yep. Heaney all lose forward status. Yeah, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yep. So, for this particular uh, position forwards, don't get too hung up on someone retaining forward status. Yeah, I agree. especially if they're top echelon, because there's a massive chance that any of them won't be a forward next year. Yeah, just with uh, Devin Smith though as well. Like with Dangerfield, there's not too many midfielders coming through the ranks at Geelong. Mm-hmm. Really, maybe Charlie Constable might be someone who could step up, but uh, not a lot. Whereas Devin Smith, like I'm expecting McGrath, Parrish uh, to go in the midfield with Shield coming through as well. So um, there might be ch- more chances for him to go forward. So I guess that's kind of just further yeah. reason why I've got him there. Definitely. Josh Dunkley, you could put him in the same boat. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. talked about them. Uh, Chad Wingard, I'd a little bit higher than you, Kays. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts there? Uh, I'm not 100%. Uh, sold on Chad Wingard being a hundred plus mid yep. or forward. Like yep. he's talented, yes, but you know he showed some really good signs at Port. Was hot one week, cold the next oh, week. Yeah, I just, I just don't trust him. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, yes, he's a top ten for sure. Uh, I think Billings is just naturally going to be a genuine accumulator and, and that kind of role. Same with Heaney. I think Heaney's going to take the next step this year, and I would be surprised if he keeps his forward status next year. That's why I've got him up higher than you. Yeah, I'd shed wing it higher because out of those kind of top five, maybe Billings, but uh, the most likely to keep their forward status yeah. or will get it back after the season. So if he does get mid, it's kind of because Tom Mitchell's out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so he'll be playing more midfield time, but I reckon he's kind of a genuine forward. But you are 100% correct. It's a bit of a catch-22 because mm-hmm. if he is playing forward and not full-time midfield, he's not scoring as well. So correct. That's yeah, the risk hard. with a lot of these players. You know, like, and then someone like Toby Green uh, is probably going to be a forward for quite a few years because he plays that half-forward role really well and gets bulk points in that position. So yeah. he's just going to be one that you could almost lock in. If um, Toby Green didn't spend a large chunk of last season out, he would be so much higher on my list, I think, because yeah. he's definitely going to be a forward and he can score 90, average 90 to 100 playing as a forward. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to go 
the midfield to get points. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a big one there. And he might slide a bit this year if you're starting up a new keeper league. What do we think about Dugowie, Kay? So, I'm still a bit not sold on his fantasy uh, fantasy value. What do you think? I think he's risky, but he's in my team, so I love him, uh, and especially because I got him off you. But, <laughs> um, look, he's going to play forward for this year, and, you know, he's a genuine forward. Yeah. Almost Toby Green esque, yeah. Uh, in terms of his ability to, you know, kick goals, and he's just a power yeah. machine. Beams coming into the side hurts his ability to pinch it in the middle. I think, yeah. Um, so he might lose a few points there, but he's going to be a plate you can lock into your forward line for a, for a few years, and yeah. he'll be fine. I reckon if he does get a midfield midfield time, he's going to be an awesome scorer. It's yep. just a matter of getting that that time. But also, he's just so valuable to Collingwood up forward. Oh, he's an absolute gun to yeah. watch. I love watching him play. One of yeah. my favourite players in the comp, to be honest. Now, the only person we had different, I had Toby McLean in my top ten, and you had Tim Kelly. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, again, another player I think is just going to keep going forward. Toby McLean, I rate, but I just kind of haven't seen enough of him. So, he'd be very close to my top 10, mm-hmm. but just not quite in there. Whereas Tim Kelly, I'm worried that he's going to be homesick this year and won't make any good scores. Well, he, he won't score any uh, points over when he goes to West Coast. Well, free that's, yeah, that's <laughs> next year's problem, not this year's. Okay. Well, is a keeper league. We're thinking about the future. Yeah, but. I know, but I'm just worried about his heart. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, enjoy Geelong for another year, Tim, and hopefully you can score some points of Hef. All right. So, uh, like we've mentioned, we're actually going to do our full rankings or at least, uh, sorry, release our full rankings list, and then we're actually going to do some mini episodes on those rankings uh, similar to what we just did with our top tens. So, um, yeah, if you want to get access to those or you just enjoy the podcast and uh, want to support us, just consider becoming a uh, patron. Uh, we've got a few resources up there. We've got the breakout tracker, all the underage stats, the state league fantasy scores. And then, yeah, like I've just mentioned, we've got our rankings coming up with uh, some mini episodes to follow. So, uh, yeah, there's a few people that have uh, signed up this week. So, we just want to say thank you to those guys. Yes. So, we've got our first doctor. We've got Dr. Spin. Thank you, Dr. Spin. <laughs> uh, Henry Katz, Tom, Rory O'Brien, the weapon, James Brennan, Michael Canavan, Brent Costello, Chris Donaldson and Adam Aquarola. Just another one, Hef, we forgot. We've also started to put up all the players we've talked about in our previous uh, pods uh, in the player analysis. They're all up there on a document. So if you did, uh, you know, you're out for a walk, out for a run at the gym while you're listening to us, uh, we've got them all on a document. So you can go back, have a look and see what we've talked about. Yeah, you don't have to be making those mental notes every time you listen to the podcast or no getting, your, uh, getting your ink and quill out if you're FOSS yes. each time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can actually just go back and see the players that we looked at. So that might be handy for those people listening to the pod and want to... Uh, uh, remember what went on so if you're keen on gaining access to that or you just want your name read out in the show uh, head to patreon.com slash keeper league pod all right on to our listener tweets so First one we've had uh, this week, and again, we were, we were asking for questions about specific to starting up new keeper leagues. Uh, so here we go. Uh, from Trav014, is it better to have a big league uh, or lower numbers with more committed people? What do you think, Case? Um, if you can get a nice medium, that would be fantastic. Yeah, look, I've only had experience of um, redraft leagues in big numbers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 16, 18 is a lot of people to keep. 
um, interested for a whole year, um, especially, you know, with, with work commitments, uni, school, whatever you've got, it's tough. You know, I think that the 12 or 10 team model works pretty well because usually you can find 10 or 12 people yep. who are pretty committed, like the trades, like the banter. So, that I think that's about the, the sweet spot for me. Yeah, well, just to answer your question there, uh, Trav, uh, I think it's much better to have committed players rather than a large number of players. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if it starts to get messy down the bottom where people are not caring anymore, I'd much rather have, say, eight committed yep. people yep. than, uh, you know, 16 half-committed people. Yeah, for sure. sure. Uh, the next question is from at AJS Hawker. How old is too old and does age make a difference per position? When you start in a keeper league, I think when you can kind of sense that a player is getting to his last season, someone like Heeshaw, Cade Simpson, that's kind of where you get to the point where you can kind of be happy to let them those guys go, I think. Um, so I think age does kind of... Uh, does make a, a difference, but um, yeah, it depends. It depends on the size of your league and all that. I think too. Yeah, look, as we've said, and probably if you can take note in our um, in our rankings here, you know, no one's super old or super young in our rankings. Yeah. So you need to find that sweet spot, especially for your first, you know, uh, draft. Um, but you know, look, if you can take that core group of you know twenty three to twenty six, yep. and kind of work both ways from there, get that nice even spread, potentially uh, get a few older players late, which can really help your team uh, in the future, and then also, uh, sorry, in the current, and then work for a few players for the future. I think it's all about balance if you can do that, and I wish we kind of did that in our first year. Yeah. All right. Uh, another question from uh, AJS Hawker, and he sent actually a few uh, through a few here, so we're going to read them all out because there wasn't a, a whole heap this week. So, uh, which position generally gets shallow first? What do you think, guys? Backs. Yeah. I think rucks at the moment. The, yep. the situation, the way it's going. Although this year, if we're playing two, it might not. But I don't know. It seems more than ever getting a decent ruck, or if you're playing with two of them, was just near impossible. So mm-hmm. at least with defenders, you can fill the position. That's I think true. with rucks, when you only need one of them yep. or two at the very most, yep. and people come can't feel that I reckon that's when it starts to get pretty shallow that said I don't know whether kind of targeting a ruck you know early or whatever is actually going to be such an advantage I think sometimes the big advantage is when you've got defenders that like you're going like you know 130s 120s that sort of stuff or you know if you've got a defender like Doc was in a couple of years ago mm. where you could put the captaincy on him that's a yep. huge advantage I think but for me if you weren't going to get Grundy, Gorn or Wits I wouldn't care where I took my next right win in a 12-team yeah, 12, 12 yeah, league because you're going to get someone who's all right and will play most weeks late, yep. whereas I think you want to chalk up on your defenders because, yes, they tend to hold on to that status a bit longer yep. and they do run very thin from you know your average – I think there was only um, – eight players or something who averaged more than 90 or something like that as a defender last year. So it gets thin real quick. Some native fauna in uh, lovely western suburbs of Adelaide. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, next question from AJS is uh, where to draft Titch and Doherty? We've kind of had this uh, debate. Um, I would take Titch first early second first round or early second round yep. if I can depending on the swing Agreed. Doherty oh, I'm happy to ride off and let someone else take him uh, I'll still take Doherty but yeah probably not before the fifth round so fifth and onwards I'm happy to take him around there because he I don't know if everything goes to plan and he does come back and his knees are good he's still going to be a good scorer I think it's just depending on whether he recovers uh, to 100% um, his last question, the Hawker, is, is half the squad size normal to keep from one season to the next? Oh, what's normal, really? We've yeah. had so many different uh, leagues. Uh, I mean, everyone kind of has their own way of doing it, I think. And uh, I think the more the, the more the, the issue is, basically, once you've decided 
what your squad size is going to be and how many you keep, you need to plan accordingly yeah. and play to that and play yeah. it to your advantage, I think. And it depends on what you want your leg to become. You know, like our league is a is a keeper leg, but there's still a massive onus on the draft because we put half of our players back. Yeah. If you're running a, a dynasty leg like some of these, uh, some of you guys do on Twitter when you're only putting two or five back, it means that your draft is uh, almost a non-event in yeah. a way, um, except for drafting the new the new blood yep. coming to the system. So yeah. it depends on if you want that draft draft night to be a big factor again or yeah. you just want trades and future picks and all that to become a key thing. So that's what you've got to f- uh, figure out from the start. Yeah, I don't think I'd like it as much if our draft was over in half an hour nah. or whatever. I'd love yep. having the hour and a half sitting around, you yep. know, or everyone concentrating, but everyone having a laugh, having yep. a beer and yep. cranking some tunes and eating, yep. some, eating some Chico rolls. And, yeah, yeah. We've, well, we've got to draft about 200 players, 220 players, I think. So um, that goes for a nice amount of time. And uh, yeah, Chico Central, uh, March 1. (laughs) All right, last question of the night comes from uh, Ryan Arm. So who's been the worst keeper ever in your league? Well, there's probably two that spring to mind. Uh, I'll give the the runner-up to Oliver Florent last year. He was somehow retained after scoring 39. But he what didn't do too badly. Oh, if you like 62 <laughs> as an average in your second year. Yeah, I, I guess. But uh, he probably wouldn't be the worst keeper going around this year. Oh, probably not. Yeah. But uh, look, there's no doubt. It's a lay down Mazer who's the worst ever keeper. Hef, who, who's that been? Uh, so our friend uh, Gerald kept uh, a guy who was actually on a rookie list who um, – uh, this was before rookies could just play whenever. And that was uh, Jake Barrett. Jake Damo Barrett, he's nicknamed in our league. And uh, yeah, he was kept um, with no guarantee of the game. And in fairness, he did play a few JLT games early and looked actually pretty good, but then yep. he just fizzled out and ended up getting delisted this year. So, But yeah, that's probably the, the two worst. Case, what's the worst player you've ever kept? Um, looking back, I think I kept... Um, oh, geez, who did I keep? I kept someone really crappy. Will Minson, maybe? Yeah. But, you know, what about hard. the uh, what about Beast Mode, your mate? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're not talking about Reese Matheson. He's gone from my team already. I've got yep. rid of him. 2019 is the year of no beast mode at not much chop, but yeah, he was useless to me last year. So never again, Hef, never again. I finished bottom around 2015, I think it was, and my squad was just the most putrid thing you've ever seen. I had blokes looking at my list who would just break out laughing, and I think I ended up keeping Travis Cloak when he was kind of in his one of his last years at Collingwood, and I kept uh, Angus Monfries, I think, in his last season as well. So yeah, that was uh, a horrible time for me, but luckily uh, three, four years later, I've come up and won the flag. So it's all good. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. Thanks for uh, listening this week. Something a bit different and we'll return to the uh, team analysis uh, next week. Make sure you uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Keeper League Pod. And uh, And give us some reviews on iTunes if you're uh, listening on uh, the podcast app. We've noticed they're a bit bare. And uh, yeah, it'd be good if uh, if anyone uses uh, Apple or iTunes and could get on there and uh, give us a five star and a little bit of a review. We'd uh, really appreciate it. So yeah, cool. I'll take a four star. Yeah, same. I'm happy with what we can get, to be honest. Cool. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. See you later. Catch ya.